Welcome to Dazer Update for November 6, 2022. I'm your host, Chris Logie. I'm Brandon Perkins. And I'm Jenna Victoria. And yeah, we've got a big week this week as oh, we've yeah. got a bunch of new games to talk about mm-hmm. here for the most part. Uh, we got a bunch of news. Uh, we got your Game Pass stuff, uh, things that are coming out here in the near future. Mm. Uh, we got one game that's been in development for darn near 20 years. Yeah. Finally getting graphics. So yeah. they'll tell you that, the whole thing. Um, we got uh, a new VR platform launching here in mm-hmm. the early parts of next year. We'll tell you more about that. As well as some other neat things like, say, a lost Sega FMV game getting rescued and released. Yeah. Uh, we got a studio that the Embracer Group just acquired getting shut down. Mm-hmm. Because why not? And we're going to finally tell you what that weird mystery game Square Enix had trademarked uh, weeks ago. And you're not going to like it. Mm. So what people assumed it was going to be. Yeah. It wasn't that. Nope. And we also got an unfortunate interview with... Uh, the director of Final Fantasy 16, who explained why his medieval uh, Europe game is not that diverse. Yeah. And why that's not a great reason. No. Uh, we'll get to all that. But before we do that, we'll talk about what we've been playing here for the past week or so. Uh, I'll kick it off here. Mm-hmm. Been playing a bunch of stuff. Uh, Shadow Remastered Deluxe finally released. Mm-hmm. Is on damn near everything at this yeah. point. Uh, Ten bucks, pretty reasonable price for one of those. Uh, pretty straightforward remasters. Uh, mm-hmm. It is for those that might not know this game. It was kind of a cult classic PSN release on the PS3. Yeah, that is a uh, clone of Arkanoid, mm-hmm. but does a lot of its own things to that formula, uh, where you're not always taking on a you know, a traditional Arkanoid type of setup. Uh, the different power-ups are usually not too big on the power-up stuff. Uh, a lot of the ones you'll get are like, oh, the the ball can bust through anything, uh, or it's, you know, causes double the shards to pop out of any bricks you hit. Uh, that kind of stuff. And the shards are a thing that uh, you can uh, use your suck-and-blow mechanics to pull them in, uh, and that increases your multiplier, so it's important for getting high scores. Uh, but you can also blow, because you can affect the trajectory of the ball, uh, as well as when you get uh, bricks, brick types that are more physics-y, uh, that you can affect them, because if you're just sucking all the time, you might suck them towards you. They can hit you as the, the ball might be coming towards you, and disrupt your ability to keep the ball in play, kind of thing, but the game's pretty fair with uh, that stuff, and on the easy side because you can you often get extra ball power ups uh, pretty often to keep you from running out too quickly, uh, unless you're just playing really poorly. Uh, and the game also loves to have non-traditional uh, types of stages, like they have circles, they have uh, rectangles where you're playing on the sides instead of the the bottom. Uh, I think there might be other shapes, but I played through uh, when I streamed this. I uh, played about an hour of it and got through to maybe the fifth or sixth world of ten. 
uh, and it hadn't really introduced much much beyond that. But the circles are are very tricky trying to get the the right angles lined up there. But uh, yeah, that's a that's a game that is a lot of fun. Uh, they have some co op in there as well if you want to play with a friend. Uh, and like different options for uh, doing like boss rush stuff. There's like other modes that you might have to unlock. Uh, for the ten bucks, it's it's pretty well worth the the investment in it for what you get. Uh, and along with that, you also get a game that looks real nice. It's ran at 4K 60, I believe, on the the new consoles and all that. And it's got the original soundtrack and all sounds real nice. So that's a game people should definitely be checking out. Uh, the other game I checked out came out the same day is a game called Tanuki Sunset. Came out on all the consoles this week. Uh, it's been on PC for about two years now. And this is a weird game because it is a longboarding game. But it's also kind of in the in the framework of like a runner uh, a little bit. Uh, where you're kind of going down uh, these linear tracks. They're sort of like going downhill usually. Uh, they'll twist and turn uh, a little bit. Uh, so you got to... Use some of the the fairly light mechanics that it has for like drifting, and you have some trick stuff you can do when you hit ramps uh, for some extra points, as well as you'll have some obstacles appear that if you get close, you'll get you know uh, extra points for how long you're staying close to obstacles, and hopefully you don't hit that. There's also points you get for kind of uh grinding on the side of the the track usually it's not a thing you want to do too much cuz you risk just falling off the other side uh but you'll get some points for that and they call that edge lord for the uh for that type of trick there but yeah uh the the game kind of breaks up the areas into multiple parts and you'll see the uh, like the a map of swords giving you an idea of how long you have to go, and you'll see checkpoints. So uh, if you get past those and die, you'll start right back at the checkpoint. Though I think there are stage specific goals for you know time uh, and that kind of stuff that will definitely ask of you to uh, you know do the whole thing in one run uh, kind of thing. So uh, for what I streamed of that, uh, which was also about an hour or so. Uh, managed to get through the first world to the second one. I uh, hadn't played past that since then, but uh, along the way, you're kind of picking up these little bits that are your currency that you can spend in the shop for uh, different cosmetics for your board, like changing the board out, the the trucks and the wheels, as well as some outfit stuff, uh, hats, glasses, shirt. And I forget if there's some other stuff. Uh, there might be, uh, but kind of the, the thing that kind of rubbed me wrong with this game is that uh, for being called Tanuki Sunset, you don't play as a Tanuki. You play as a raccoon named Tanuki, uh, which is kind of like, oh, that's that's not great. I'd rather <laughs> play as a Tanuki. Yeah. Because uh, that's not a type of character you see too often in games mm-hmm. uh, outside of like, the Tom Nook characters in Animal Crossing. Yeah. 
That's why there's all the items are when you're holding them are in leaf form. Mm-hmm. That is a folklore thing around Tanuki that they can transform items into leaves or leaves into items, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and whilst the uh, Tanuki suit, which is a similar thing of transformation being a mm-hmm. equal part of their mythological form. Uh, so it was kind of weird having like, it's a raccoon named Tanuki for some reason. Mm-hmm. And those are not the same things, just to be clear. They're different species. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tanuki are in the Canid family of dogs and wolves and all mm-hmm. that. Tanuki are in their own family of, you know, they have hands versus paws like dogs do. Mm. So I would like there to be uh, Tanuki in that mm-hmm. uh, to match the name. But that's like the, the one negative thing I have. Otherwise, the music is all pretty good. Uh, it's very much like they literally call it like lo-fi uh, hip-hop to mm-hmm. chill to kind of mm-hmm. thing. Uh, the visuals are very much like a lot of 80s style, you know, cyber, uh, you know, stuff like that. Uh, the way that you kind of expect. Mm. So, yeah, that one's like 15 bucks. Uh, maybe a little much for what's there, but if you're into the kind of silly style it has, mm-hmm. uh, that one's worth checking out at some point. Uh, let's see what else I've been playing. I got a code for the Hitman 3 closed technical test, which mm-hmm. they let people stream it and whatnot uh, for that. And that is mainly centered around the freelancer mode that's going to be out as a big update January 26th next year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the, you get the play at least some of the freelancer mode with most of the maps. I think three of the maps are not going to be available in the mode, like all the the introductory maps that are in for each of the games uh, that are all just very small maps. But uh, the way it starts out is you basically start with no extra items or weapons uh, in your arsenal outside of your base uh, pistol. And uh, you pick uh, up front, it's like a a syndicate group to go after, and that involves you going through three maps, and so you have objectives tied to those maps, and uh, so you're kind of picking stuff. And I was like, I don't know all of these maps super well, so I picked one that had three maps I understood pretty well, and uh, among that, you get to pick which one to start with. You pick them, you know, pick an order, essentially. Uh, So I picked the first one was Paris and you're essentially going through and killing uh, specific syndicate targets, which are not the, the main targets that those maps had. So for Paris, there's like one dude that hangs out near the helicopter in the back area. And another one was somebody that hangs out inside the mansion uh, somewhere. And uh, along the way you're, you can pick up a lot of the same items that are in the regular map. There might be new things. You also run into like loot chests that have like three items you can pick to take with you. Uh, and the whole thing is if you uh, get some of the like throwable weapons that, uh, and it's only the items that have specific like rarities attached to them, like, you know, uncommon, rare, super, you know, epic, whatever. Item, those things carry over to other things. So if you just, if you mainly kill with like knives and screwdrivers and all that kind of bullshit, uh, those 
do not come back with you. Uh, so when you come into a new map, you'll have to refine those kind of items. Which definitely screwed me over in the second map, which was in Mumbai. Because I was looking for the one person I had to kill. I uh, was up on the big tower and basically surrounded by other people. And I was like looking around, it's like I need a screwdriver to do this one thing that potentially set me up for a way to kill them without uh, making it super obvious that it was me and like setting all the the security on me to shoot me out uh, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, so I ended up having to run around for a bit, try and get other uh, outfits to let me get around and still couldn't find a screwdriver. So I ended up just uh, finding a way to kind of get them behind uh, something where I wouldn't be noticed for the most part. Uh, took them out with a knife uh, kind of thing and ran off mostly okay. I did have a couple of good bumbling moments where I was in a place where I shouldn't have been uh, and basically render those outfits, you know, compromised uh, a lot of that stuff. So it kind of forces you to be more improvisational and having to think about things a, a bit differently than you normally do. And so, yeah, when you pick your set of three maps, you do your first two, and you can see up front, like, oh, there's two targets, one target, or whatever it's going to ask if you to have special goals, and if you're able to complete them. A lot of the ones I had were set around uh, poisoning people, which I didn't have poison that available. And some of the people that I was targeting, like, weren't in like a loop where they would be going to potentially take a drink or something. So it was like, these are tough ones to get. So I didn't necessarily get as much of a reward as I would have liked. But the fun thing is kind of when you can finish a map and come back and in all the, the guns and like special items that you have, you can go put them on the wall. Uh, Most because when you go to start a map, it tells you like, Oh, you've got like five equip points. And, like, the, the base pistol that you start with is, like, three points. So it's like, oh, I got enough for, like, that and, like, a, a special item. And so, like, when you beat one of your uh, your map jobs, you get a free, like, loot box. It gives you a choice of items. And so, like, I picked uh, out of the first one was the uh, uh, Exploding Rubber Duck. And I managed to use that in the second map, and it's like, well, that's that's gone. I don't have that anymore. I could potentially go find one in a in a chest somewhere, or you know, if I knew where it could be at in the map, I could maybe go find it. But you know, those aren't reliable things, and they do chase change placement for some of those items. So uh, your intimate knowledge of these maps may not be uh, like an make it an easy mode kind of thing, but uh, yeah, it is a fun new way to play the game uh, and give yourself a more replayable way to enjoy this uh, really great package here for Hitman 3. So I'm pretty excited for uh, this update coming out in uh, January 26th, 2023. So there's that. Uh, for other things I've been playing, there's Vampire Survivors. Kind of still been plugging away at that, and it really wasn't until the other day where I kind of actually figured out how to really play that game. After having put like 13 hours into the game before, 
uh, a lot of what I was doing was just grabbing perks and weapons and such you get from leveling up. And that was kind of a, a big part of what's there, but there's also a whole other layer to it where there's, you know, uh, a big part of the game is these weapon evolutions, which require you to pair up a weapon with the corresponding like passive item that allows you to get the evolved version of it, which then is like a, a game changer and makes your the rest of your time in that stage a much easier experience. Because uh, ultimately you are trying to, with each of the characters, kind of finish each of the maps. And the first two are pretty easy. The uh, Mad Forest and I forget the other one is, it's basically a big indoor map that is just uh, horizontally scrolling. That uh, with the things they've changed with 1.0, there's like an actual map that you can see that has locations of specific items on there, as well as uh, in each of the maps, there's like this coffin that allows you to unlock other characters. Uh, there are also unlocks in in the main menu that tell it's like basically all the achievements, and some of those have characters tied to them that you unlock. Uh, but a lot of the uh, the more special characters you get through uh, finding these caskets, uh, these coffins, and when you go to the coffin, a bunch of enemies just spawn around it that you have to kill all of them before you can unlock what's in the coffin. And it does a Mario Brothers thing where it's like, ah, your vampire is in another coffin. Uh, but here's what you get. And you get a specific character out of that. One of them I got was like a, a witch woman who can't attack uh, out of the box, but she spawns in cats that will just randomly attack uh, enemies uh, as well as yourself if you walk in their path. Uh, so as you upgrade that, there's just constant cats coming in there attacking enemies and attacking you and as they uh, are want to do at random times, they get into fights with each other and enemy enemies that walk into that sort of get killed pretty easily. So they're uh, a very kind of interesting character design for that kind of stuff. And I just unlocked another one that's I'm not hundred percent sure what it is just yet, but they introduced new weapons into the fold. And so uh, that's been, something I've been kind of focusing on is like getting more of these unlocks because some of them are just pure skill and others are sort of random chance. Uh, so that's kind of a thing that I'm working on rather than just kind of BSing and still not really understanding what's going on in this game. So, uh, but we'll tell you a little bit later that uh, there's a new way to play it or a new place that you can play it pretty soon. So uh, there's that's and the last thing I've been playing is American Truck Simulator. Uh, they have a Halloween event going on and uh, probably ended by the time we're doing this podcast. Uh, managed to finish it earlier today. Uh, and that's been a lot of fun jumping into that. Uh, got some some nice items uh, out of that. Uh, but that was just for basically completing these halls of Halloween treat trailers uh, to you know places around the. The map, I took a lot of shorter jobs uh, so that, uh, you know, that wouldn't be such a huge tour versus ones that, like, oh, this will take, like, 24 hours of in-game time. 
it'll be like a couple hours to finish one job uh, that I wasn't really in the mood to do just yet, but uh, the ones that are like 20, 30 minutes, that's fine. So that was a lot of what I did there, but uh, yeah, that's been pretty much it for me this week. So Brandon, how about you? What have you been doing? Well, uh, as far as gaming is concerned, I finished Cyberpunk 2077. Um, I actually might go back and play it again sometime later. But uh, since I finished that, much of my gaming has been consumed by Signalis and Persona 5 Royal. I actually finished Signalis the other day. Um, and uh, so, like, we, me and uh, Chris talked about this in another episode of what Signalis is. It's basically a kind of a throwback to, like, the old school um survival horror games from the PS1 era. It's very polygonal, but it's definitely like updated with like a lot of quality of life improvements that the original games didn't have. Um it's all done from like a top-down perspective instead of, you know, from all these weird Dutch angel Dutch angles. Um and the controls are also far better, not the terrible tank controls that the original Resident Evil had. Um there's also, you know, the map's better. The the saving system is a lot easier to work with. Um, but ultimately, it sort of it, it takes place like on this this uh, snowy colony out in the middle of uh, this star system where you're playing a replica who has crash landed in a ship, wakes up, discovers she's the only person who's still in it, and then uh gets out of the ship and s- sort of descends down into this mining colony that uh her country which is she's part of um and she starts to slowly piece together that something really awful has happened because they may have uncovered something in this mining uh this this mine shaft that they probably should not have found and that's sort of the story on the surface, but once you get to the last third of the game, the whole thing goes completely sideways, and suddenly, like, even, you know, like, time and space no longer is making sense. There's a whole area that pretty much all of Section 3 is placed in where you have no map, so most of it is you having to sort of through sheer remembrance and like the way that doors and hallways and stuff don't quite make sense. So like you can go through a door on the left and come out from a door in another room from the top, you know, stuff like that. Also it's very silent hilly cause it's like covered in meat and sharp industrial edges and stuff. Um, but plot wise it goes very, very unusual. It's good. I'm not, complaining at all it is very it's got some of the best uh world building i've i've experienced in a while um but uh it's definitely a lot of fun very enjoyable the next uh but then anyway so i finished that and uh after uh, i decided i've gotten most of my gaming set up by persona 5 Royal. and Persona 5 Royal, of course, is a updated version of the original Persona 5. And um, um, and it's, it's you know, the original game itself was already 
pretty much just perfection itself. Somehow they managed to come back and make it even better. Um, there's more cutscenes. Uh, there's more characters. There's another new story arcs involved. Um, they sort of made some of the others updated some of the quality of life stuff from the first game. Um, and like the changes happen almost immediately. Um, so much it's like, and like I'm, I'm thinking like if you're a dated version of a game that's already been out for a short time, this is the way to do it because they still more or less have the same story, but the way that it's, works is somewhat different because they introduce a new character right at the beginning um, and then kind of go from there. And, I mean, there's like a new, you know, even just so many things about this that just make the original. The original is great. This one is somehow even better. But uh, This is your first time playing Royal, but your second time playing P5, right? Yep. Yeah, I mean, uh, I can totally relate with you. I actually had no plans of playing Royal at all, but it turns uh-huh. out that the game came out right when the pandemic was just getting started. So it just mm-hmm. kind of uh, found its perfect way there. And yeah, I agree. Like, um, you, you, you don't think the changes would come until later, but they happen immediately. Yeah. And as, so as someone playing the game for the second time, um, are, you, um, are you playing it with a guide or anything like that? Or are you trying nope. to go into the again? No guide. Okay, well, I will say good luck <laughs> because it's uh, it, it's a really involved. Um, it's a getting to the true ending is a pretty uh, involved task, and since yeah. you already it, I would recommend using a guide. But hey, it's up to you. You do you. Mm. So, All right, but uh, yeah. So, Danra, what about you? Yeah, um, I haven't been playing a whole lot. Um, obviously, Bayonetta three came out last week, and. Um, I thought that was going to get the bulk of my attention. Uh, unfortunately, I downloaded this game uh, called Marvel Snap. Um, it's available on both, I believe, Steam and mobile. I'm playing it on mobile. It came out a couple of weeks ago. And I am addicted. Um, for those of you that are, that are not familiar with Marvel Snap, um, it's a uh, card game very similar to Hearthstone. And the creator of Hearthstone created this game. So as far as its addiction, that pretty much just says it there. And what makes this game so appealing is the fact that every game is about three minutes or less. The only time you'll see a game last longer than three minutes is when your opponent is stalling, which I have unfortunately seen. But, you know, aside from that, like, it's really... The game is played with um, uh, three fields that have a different effect um, uh, after each turn is uh, shown. So once the third field is, uh, is shown, then, you know, the board is all there. You know what to do, and you know how to strategize from there. And then um, in regards to the cards you have, obviously they're all going to be based on uh, characters in all of Marvel Comics. Uh, you know, that includes the MCU, that includes the Silver Age, and all that. And um, you're you're allowed to have up to, I believe, uh, let's see here, it's um, 12 cards deck, and um, they're all leveled from one through six. So on turn one, you 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 only have one energy. So you 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 use a a level one card. Um, but you have a complete flexibility to like to have whatever cards you want in your deck. And there's a really a lot of variety here to allow for all sorts of combos. Uh, like I'm having a lot of fun with my uh, control deck, which pretty much like you know as I say like 
uh, gives me control of the situation. So knowing that each of the effects for each field is random, um, I like having the Scarlet Witch in my deck because when I play her, I actually get to change um, any of those field effects. And then, you know, using certain combos such as uh, Claw, uh, for example, Claw has four attack power. So you play um, Claw on one side, but his effect also allows you to give six attack power um, to the field immediately to his right. So, you know, finding all these uh, different ways of uh, combining things makes things even more fun. And there's this cool thing about Marvel Snap called the Snap. So if you're confident in going into a game, you can go ahead and snap. And that pretty much doubles um, the amount of cubes that uh, are on the line here. So um, progression is really based on just uh, how much you're playing and how much you're winning. So when you're winning, you move up. When you lose, you rank down. And it goes that way. I am at level 47 right now. That's gold. And I started playing last Sunday. And then there's also something called the collection level, which pretty much replaces um, loot boxes. So uh, the more you um, level up your cards, uh, the higher your collection level goes. And every time you pass a certain collection level, you get different items, such as a mystery card, which, you know, it's going to be a random card, or credits which are used to upgrade your cards or boosters, which are used to upgrade specific uh, variants. And um, like I said, if you're a Marvel fan, uh, there'll be a lot to like here just because like it encompasses pretty much everything. There's a whole bunch of characters here that I've never even heard of, like Wolfsbane, Multiple Man, um, and then uh, you know there's even Enchantress, Groot, Iron Man. Um, it's all here. And uh, yeah, this, is, this has definitely been taking up the bulk of my time. It's, it's really fun, and I don't really see uh, myself stopping anytime soon, even with God of War coming out this week. Um, but yeah, aside from that, like I said, I've also been playing Bayonetta 3. Uh, I just went through the first mission. Um, it's, 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 it's pretty fun, but uh, the, what's it called? The, the opening sequence uh, cutscene was a little long. Um, I wish there was more playing and more, um, or, or le- there was less cutscenes and more playing, but uh, I did hear that as you progress, it becomes uh, more and more intense. So I'm looking forward to eventually getting there. And then I also completed Plague Tale Innocence. Um, this game is a whole lot better in the back end than it is uh, at, the, at the start. Um, once you have your your alchemy wheel all set up, uh, the gameplay really opens up. You eventually have the ability to like move rats around um, and you know having different uh, rocks and things to set things on fire, uh, put fires out, and all of these things to manipulate the rats makes it really fun. So I'm wondering, um, as I uh, try Plague Tale Requiem, I'm wondering uh, how early I'll get a lot of those abilities, because that was really what made the game more enjoyable as far as a puzzle-solving aspect. But yeah, um, I'm pretty much just treading water until we get to God of War, because that's going to get my full attention coming at the end of the week, and uh, I'm looking forward to that. That's about it. All right, ready to go? Yep. All right. Uh, it is a new month, and so there are new Game Pass games coming to uh, Xbox and PC. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they announced their slate of early stuff here. Uh, let's see, available now. There is The Legend of Tian Ding. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a sort of side scrolling brawler set in the early 20th century Taiwan. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is under control of Imperial Japan. Yep. You're playing as the legendary outlaw and folk hero Liao Tianding. As you 
fight your way through the streets of Taipei. And uh, and I played like five minutes of this. I was like, "Eh, that's all right. Mm -hmm. And I never came back to it. Uh, Because I got to the first like point I could save. Uh, let's see. Also added in The Walking Dead, A New Frontier. Mm. Uh, I believe this is the third season. Mm. Or fourth season, I forget. Uh, and there's The Walking Dead, Michonne. The complete season as well. Those are coming to PC Game or came to PC Game Pass. Mm. Uh, Legend of Tianding is on console and PC. Mm-hmm. Uh, also available now, Ghost Song. Mm-hmm. Uh, console PC. This is a Metroid-like. Uh, it's been in the works for a while. It was kickstarted, and the dev announced that you know it was coming out this past week. Finally, seemed like mm-hmm. it's a pretty good one. Got some good scores uh, for reviews and all that. So, Alex needs mm-hmm. probably check that out here. Uh, let's see, coming out now this week. There's Football Manager 2023. Uh, for the PC, that yeah. is exactly what it sounds like. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a uh, soccer management sim. Yeah. Uh, from Sega. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's the PC version. And there's also Football Manager 2023 console. That's for console and PC. So I guess if you're on PC, you get both versions. But the console version is also, I think, basically the mobile version. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there you go. Uh, but yeah, that, those are both out November 8th. Um, as we'll talk about here next, Return of Monkey Island is out November 8th. Uh, it's also coming to Game Pass on console and PC. Mm. Well worth checking out if you have played the previous games or if you want to jump in, I guess. Yeah. Uh, so there you go. Uh, on November 10th, Vampire Survivors comes out to Xbox Game Pass. Mm-hmm. I'll be out on Xbox proper. Uh, which makes sense. It's been on PC Game Pass for a while mm-hmm. uh, before it hit 1.0. Uh, and it's a game that will play just fine on console because it's literally there's, you don't even really hit buttons. Uh, you just mm-hmm. move your character around and your character just automatically attacks enemies around you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so pretty straightforward. Uh, worth uh, checking out. But if you like it, toss the dev. I think it's five bucks now. Uh, that's mm-hmm. 1.0. Uh, well, we're checking, uh, tossing them some money for that. Mm. And let's see here. Also coming, this will be next week on the 15th. There's Pentiment on console and PC. Uh, that is the next Obsidian game. It is a very uh, smaller release that has like a, an illustrated world inspired by illuminated manuscripts and printed woodcuts anytime in Europe is at a crossroads of great religious and political change. Uh, so here, walk in the footsteps of Andreas Mahler, a master artist who finds himself in the middle of murder scandals and intrigue in the Bavarian Alps. Choose your mm-hmm. backgrounds, impact a changing world, and see the consequences of your decision in this narrative adventure. It's kind of very much one of those branching uh, narrative games. Mm. So you'll be able to check that out next Tuesday. Mm. Uh, also that same day, Somerville. Uh, the game from the studio headed up by the former CEO of Playdead. 
who made Limbo, Limbo and Inside. Mm-hmm. And it's a very similar type of game there. Uh, that features a family, uh, mm. two parents, one kid, as they're sort of dealing with the, the aftermath of an alien invasion, trying to survive and get around as best they can. Uh, so, yeah, that's, the, that's it for the releases for Game Pass for this first half of the month. Uh, yeah, trying to see updates. Not really too much else happening. Uh, so, yeah, there you go. Some nice stuff. Mm. And, uh, yeah, as I said, Return to Monkey Island is coming to Xbox on November 8th. It's also coming to PS5. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, they're doing a weird thing where they're releasing on the new consoles only. Not PS4 or Xbox One. Uh, so that's uh, a little surprising. Because it's not exactly a game that's pushing graphics or performance or anything to it. It's a point-click adventure game. Uh, but, yeah, it's it'll be fine on those, ga- those consoles. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, uh, you can check it out this week. Right before God of War. And I think that's the same day as Sonic Frontier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Bunch of competition there. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, also happening here in the near future, Insomniac uh, the other day celebrated the 20th anniversary of the Ratchet and Clank series with a big stream and had some announcements. There's an update for Rift Apart that adds some new uh, armor to the game that are themed after some of the previous games and the armor that was in those games. Mm-hmm. Uh, that update should be out now mm. for you to check out but also alongside that they announced that uh, amongst the five other previous PS3 games in the series mm-hmm. that are on PlayStation Plus Premium currently they are adding five more mm. on November 15th as part of the uh, the game catalog update mm. here uh, so the ones currently on PS Plus Premium are Ratchet Clank Future Quest for Booty, Ratchet Clank Future A Crack in Time, uh, Ratchet Clank All for One, Full Frontal Assault, and Into the Nexus. All good games. Uh, the new batch is going to be essentially the the, the HD trilogy mm-hmm. of Ratchet Clank going Commando and Up Your Arsenal, as well as Deadlocked, which was the last of the PS2 games they put out that they mm-hmm. remastered for PS3. And then Ratchet & Clank Future, Tools of Destruction, mm-hmm. uh, which is the first of the PS3 trilogy. Mm. Also well worth checking out. All of those games are good. Oh, yeah. Uh, and since they're PS3 versions, that means they are streaming only. Uh, so unfortunately, if the, your region does not support that, these are not going to be part of your lineup, mm-hmm. uh, unfortunately. But uh, for those that can, uh, these are all... Good games to play if you haven't done so, or if you've only played Ripped Apart. Yep. You want to see where a lot of the, the references and characters mm-hmm. all came from. Yep. Yep. Echoing what Chris said, they're all fantastic games. Um, I guess, like, for me, it's just kind of weird because it seems like PlayStation is employing the Nintendo strategy. Like, especially if, if these are PS3 streaming games, they should have already been in the service, but I think mm-hmm. Yeah, these are just weird oddities that were never on PlayStation now. Uh, for that stuff, so uh, they're now available. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, uh, fun stuff to check out mm-hmm. uh, for you. So that's that's one uh, happening 
on November 30th here. Mm. Uh, Front Mission First Remake is finally launching for the Switch. Uh, I believe they initially gave it in a November uh, time frame for release, and they said, we'll put it right there at the very last day. Uh, it'll be thirty four ninety nine, mm-hmm. which is quite a bit. Uh, from publisher Forever Entertainment, developer Megapixel Studio. Uh, but you can get a 10% off discount uh, pre-order mm-hmm. starting on November 16th. Uh, but yeah, that is the original game with updated graphics mm-hmm. and some upgrades and such. Uh, the soundtrack's been fully reorchestrated. You can also play with the original soundtrack if you want. They have added a new game mode and various tweaks to the gameplay and mechanics. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, this is very much a, a big mech uh, strategy yep. RPG. Yeah, it's uh, actually kind of... This is one of the Switch releases I've been really anticipating because the Front Mission series in Japan are known for having extremely detailed world building um, based around... Uh, you know, but basically taking the whole concept of the real robot story and giving it a sort of fresh edge. Because um, it doesn't take place in space or anything. It all takes place on Earth, and it's usually like some kind of near future with like a bunch of civil wars and stuff. And it's just, it look it looks really neat. I actually really like how they've sort of gone back and re- a lot of the graphics and stuff. Yeah, this is one of those weird Square series or Enix series that started on the Super Nintendo. Yep, this is originally a, fam- a Super Famicom title. Yeah, that immediately went to the PlayStation. Yep. I was like, hey, we can do 3D for this for these robots, make them look yeah. better. Yeah. I know there was actually a, a like a DS version that they did that came out way back. Um, yeah. But apparently they went here, they went they went here and just basically rebuilt the game from the ground up more or less. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and uh, it's only going to be like $35, which as far as Switch games go, that's pretty decent. Um, yeah. And with that publisher, they they definitely put their stuff on sale. So if you don't want to get it right away, you can wait a little bit yeah. and get it for cheaper early next year. Yep. Uh, so yeah, there you go. And speaking of old games, Dwarf Fortress, mm-hmm. probably one of the nerdiest games that has ever been made. The nerdiest of all nerdy nerd games, yeah. And the way that is nerdy is because it's been essentially in development for the past like twenty years. About uh, it's never had graphics; it's always been ASCII graphics. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know, we'd see in place of you know the dwarfs and other creatures, and your uh, your environment and all that would all be various characters that are on your keyboard and all that uh, to signify everything. And this is one of those games where you would very much have to do a lot of homework just to understand what is going on in the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, very much in the same way you would maybe do for like an EVE Online mm-hmm. kind of thing, where it's a it's a big old management sim, as you're managing your, your dwarves, you're building stuff, you're collecting, sending them out to raid caves and fight enemies and such, and gathering meats and materials and weapons and all that to collect for your people to use in mm-hmm. maintaining their base and all that kind of stuff. And so, yeah, they've 
they announced a while ago that they were working on a new version and bringing it to Steam. And yeah, it'll have like proper graphics to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, they put out uh, Kit Fox Games put out a release date trailer for this, showing you like here's what the original game looked like uh, in mm. a very way that's like, yeah, this is kind of incomprehensible if you don't know about what it is up front. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, now, yeah, you can kind of at least decipher it a bit more. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably still takes some work to understand exactly what all is going on, but uh, yeah, that's that's happening. It'll be out on Steam December 6th. Uh, the existing game has always been free. This updated version will cost 30 bucks. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, this is, they're calling it Dwarf Fortress Steam Edition. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's also going to be released on itch.io for the same price. Mm-hmm. And yeah, if you really want to support the devs, that is probably the version to get because they will get a bigger cut there. Mm-hmm. Unless this somehow sells millions of copies. You know, mm-hmm. That'll be a curious thing to see if that actually happens or not. So this is one of those games that has been an infamous game for mm-hmm. a long time for people that have delved into a very nerdy part of the gaming culture. Oh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, that's a that's a game you might want to probably look at some YouTube videos and such, or Twitch streams mm-hmm. to see, like, what the hell is this thing? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there you go. Dwarf mm-hmm. Fortress, December 6th, 30 bucks. Mm-hmm. Probably get that much uh, money out of it, so much time and into it. You're just learning how it works, so there you go. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Also coming out here, let's see. This will be February 21st, 2023. Atomic Heart mm-hmm. is released on PlayStation, Xbox, and PC. Uh, that is the the very weird Soviet game. Yep. Uh, it's like based in kind of an alternate reality Soviet Union. Uh, I th- yeah, kinda, sorta. I'm actually still not entirely sure, like, what the, the, like, the sort of basis is. Apparently it's, do you guys remember that game Singularity that came out a few years ago? It was like a Raven software game. Um, and it was yeah, about, the Call like, of Duty a- map people. Yeah. And you, like, crash land on, like, this, uh, this island that was, like, originally a Soviet research base that, like, kind of went offline in 1955, and there was, like, a bunch of, like, old Soviet stuff everywhere. It's apparently Atomic Heart's uh, plot is kind of like that. Um, Apparently it's, like, it's supposed to be, like, an old Soviet research space or something like that. I'm still not entirely sure what the plot of this game is, because they haven't really done a good job of of necessarily revealing it, which in hindsight, I mean, that could be because they're wanting to do something really, you know, out there with this game anyway, kind of like with the original Bioshock. So, you know, we'll see, I guess. Yeah. I I mean, I'm definitely interested, so. And I believe this will be on Game Pass. Yep. It was one of those games that they showed off maybe two years ago. It's mm-hmm. like a... We can't do E3, so let's put some trailers together, I guess. Mm-hmm. Most of them will say Game Pass on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is one of those Focus Entertainment's publishing it. So mm-hmm. there you go. The developers are Mundfish. M-U-N-D-F-I-S-H. Mm-hmm. Uh, a weird name, but I 
going to take a wild guess that they are uh, from probably a former Soviet Union country. Uh, I think they're actually Russian. Okay. That was close. Yeah. I mean, yeah, technically it is former. Russia Soviet is Union. the former Soviet Union. Well, no, it's it's part of the former Soviet Union. Yeah. The Soviet Union was made up of Russia, Belarus, and Ukraine. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that's uh, that's Atomic Heart. It's a weird-looking mm-hmm. game. They still keep just showing weird trailers for it. Uh-huh. Yeah. This one's not really my cup of tea, since I'm not really into Bioshock. or This this combines both. But, uh, you know, if, it's, if it ends up good, great. Yeah. Mm. Oh, yeah, we got one other thing that was announced for February, and coincidentally is announced for the day after Atomic Heart. Mm-hmm. This PlayStation VR 2. Uh, they finally announced a date. February twenty second, twenty twenty three. I believe that is eleven years after the Vita. Mm-hmm. One of the Vitas launched weeks. I think they made one of them was the week early, and one was the week mm-hmm. later. I forget which one was which uh, for that. But yeah, this will be out February twenty second, twenty twenty three, early next year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it'll be priced at five hundred and forty nine dollars and ninety nine cents. That'll include the headset the two sense controllers and headphones hmm. as well as the, the cables and whatnot that you need as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, they will also be releasing a bundle with horizon call of the mountain for five ninety nine ninety nine. That includes all that same stuff. Plus a code for horizon call of the mountain. Mm-hmm. And then alongside that, there will be a sense controller charging station uh, for forty nine ninety nine to Allow you to charge those motion controllers mm-hmm. uh, pretty simply. Just rest them in the cradle, uh, and they'll charge when you're not playing. Mm-hmm. Which, if they're like the the ones for the Dual Sense that I got, so those are going to be really great. Uh, but yeah, that's uh, trying to see what else they have here. They do have a pre-order date starting on November fifteenth. Uh, you can register for that because uh, I believe they are doing. Initial pre-orders through the PlayStation Direct site, so mm-hmm. you can register to get notified uh, when those are about to go live. Mm. Uh, so the same way they've been doing PS5 uh, when they have stock of that. Uh, and this will be uh, the initial f- launch phase in the US, UK, France, Germany, Belgium, Netherlands, and Luxembourg. Mm-hmm. Uh, through those, I believe other countries will be able to go through other retailers. Uh, those pre-orders will be starting on November 15th. Mm-hmm. So this will be probably more local ones to those regions. So there you go. I'm trying to see what else there is. It has some specs here if you want to see that stuff. Mm. Uh, I believe those are all mostly been known for a while. Uh, but alongside this, they announced a, a bunch of new games that a lot of people just completely misread what this article was. Yeah. Because uh, uh, the article's titled 11 New PSVR 2 Games Announced. That's a few of the names. And people are like, oh, this is the launch lineup. It sucks. And it's like, this is not the launch lineup. Mm-hmm. Uh, like they've been doing for the past few months is like announcing a bunch of games in batches. Uh, and this is another batch of games. Mm-hmm. A number of these are launch lineup games. Though some of these devs do not necessarily like say clearly that they're aiming for the launch. Uh, some of them have at the bottom where it says, like, oh, you'll be able to pre-order this starting November 15th. And I'm like, 
Mm-hmm. I guess it must mean that's a launch title. Uh, but some of them do say they are launch games. But mm-hmm. yeah, the, the the first one on here is the Dark Pictures Switchback VR uh, from Supermassive Games. Essentially a follow-up to the uh, what Until Dawn, Rush of Blood, I think it was. Mm-hmm. That was a launch PSVR game uh, that was basically... What if they did a bunch of horror shit while you're on a roller coaster ride? Yeah. <laughs> and you're kind of doing light gun shooting at enemies. They're also trying to scare the shit out of you. Mm. And since the the headset supports the eye tracking stuff, uh, they have enemies that essentially will only move when your eyes are closed, when you mm. blink. You know, just to add further tension to this whole thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you watch the trailer, you'll definitely see those. They're like mannequins mm-hmm. that only move when you're not looking at them. So, good luck with that. Mm. Uh, but this is not a launch title, as far as I can tell. But let's see. There's Crossfire Sierra Squad. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a Crossfire game. The the weird. I forget if these are Chinese or South Korean or something. I forget which country this franchise originates from where it's huge as like a uh, one of the the few like Asian first person shooters that are huge mm-hmm. over there uh, but yeah this is a new one of those squad yeah, first person shooter not sure if it's squad based mm-hmm. uh, but you'll be fighting like waves of enemies mm-hmm. uh, fast paced as they say here, this is coming out next year. I don't think it's a launch title. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that looks neat for the for what it's doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can read more on these games to learn. They'll mention like, oh yeah, we're doing using the sense controllers for this and using this stuff. Mm-hmm. All that kind of stuff as well as there are trailers for most of these games. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's the Light Brigade from Funktronic Labs that is a uh, a roguelite, single-player roguelite uh, action game, I believe, Mm. that is, yeah, this is coming to PSVR and PSVR 2. So if you don't have uh, PSVR 2 or Mm. you're not going to get it for a while, you can buy it on PSVR. uh, It'll be cross-buy so you can get the other version later. Mm. Uh, That one seems like it's going to be a launch title, so... That could be neat. Uh, there's Cities VR Enhanced Edition, which is uh, a you know city management game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you get to be the god hanging around as you try to address the, the problems of your city and all that stuff. That looks like that should be a pretty good way to play that. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. That's going to be a launch title, mm-hmm. as they mentioned here. Uh, so that'll be neat. There's Cosmonious High, which is from Alchemy Labs, mm-hmm. uh, which are the devs of Job Simulator and Vacation Simulator, some of the most popular VR games around. Uh, so this is sort of a not really follow-up to that. Uh, probably a lot of similar ideas, but it's not like a oh, here's a com- comedy thing as you learn like how people used to do jobs as a robot. You know, that kind of stuff. But this is I think it's going to be PSVR 2 exclusive, or it's not going to be on the original PSVR. I think it's going to be on a launch title. Mm. So that'll be neat. Yep. 
Uh, there's Hello Neighbors Search and Rescue mm-hmm. uh, from Tiny Build Games. This is another one of those, but in VR. Yeah. As you try to sneak around the house and try to uncover the devious plot of the neighbor and not get caught. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a handful of kids you can choose from to play as that have different abilities. Mm-hmm. All that kind of stuff to solve puzzles and whatnot. So that'll be coming to both PSVR and PSVR 2. It'll be crossed by and it'll be a launch title. So mm-hmm. there you go. There's Jurassic World Aftermath Collection. Mm-hmm. That is kind of an episodic kind of thing. I mentioned there were part one and part two on whatever other version it came on, uh, Quest mm-hmm. or something. Uh, it was sort of a survival adventure game set in the Jurassic World part of the timeline. Mm-hmm. As you're on Isla Nubar. Mm. And I'm trying to survive and get uh, to safety. Yeah, you're you're playing as a character in the uh, voiced by Laura Bailey, and Jeff Goldblum is playing Doctor Ian Malcolm, helping you out. So that could be neat. Uh, that'll be out next year at some point. Not a launch title. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's Pistol Whip VR. This is an upgraded version of a game that came out on PSVR. Uh, that. Uh, we'll be getting a free upgrade for people that are already on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that'll be cool. That's just sort of a chaotic shooter uh, rhythm game. So, mm-hmm. yeah, there you go. Uh, there's Zenith the Last City, which is an MMO. Mm-hmm. Uh, There's a game that people like a lot. It's sort of a, an MMO that's more action-oriented because, you you know, you got to actually swing, the, swing your swords and whatnot mm-hmm. to do stuff. So that's also getting a free upgrade since that's been on PSVR for... They came out maybe earlier this year, something mm-hmm. like that. I mentioned like, oh yeah, load times will be a lot faster. Uh, teleporting around will be a lot faster. You know, it'll be a free upgrade, all that kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. that's cool. Now uh, that'll be a launch title. There's after the fall, uh, which mm-hmm. has been on PSVR for a little while now. It will be a free upgrade. Uh, I'm not sure. I don't think it's going to be a launch title, but that is a. Uh, their first game was a, a zombie shooter, a co-op shooter. This one's more like what if uh, there's an apocalypse and maybe more like snow aliens type thing. Uh, so there's mm. that. And the last one here is Tentacular, uh, which is a game that's been out for a while on PC VR. It's coming to PSVR 2 as mm-hmm. a launch title, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you play a big giant octopus monster that uh, helps out people and causes chaos and just does whatever you feel like doing. A lot of physics-y stuff to do there, so that looks neat. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the 11 games. And people read this like, oh, this is all the games that are coming to it for launch. And yeah. That's not what this article is about. I think they'll announce the full launch lineup when they get closer and know, you know who will be able to get their, their games done in time, but yeah, I took a look on the, the PlayStation Store and looked because they got a section now for the, the VR stuff. Mm-hmm. And they do add a, quite a bit of information for some of these games here. Uh, like they mentioned, you know, like mm-hmm. what sort of playstyle modes they support. Uh, like, you know, standing, sitting, and room scale, mm-hmm. uh, which tell you like the different space requirements for those things. Uh, room scale requires the most room because, you know, you got to have a sizable amount of space to be able to walk around in and uh, interact with the environment and all that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, the, the games themselves have 
a lot of detail on like what's what modes they support, which uh, controllers they support, uh, all that kind of stuff. So they seem to be doing pretty good of at least giving people information for what to expect out of these games. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Looking at the dark picture Switchback VR, which seems to be a launch title, despite not mentioning in that article, because mm-hmm. it has the, the launch date of February 22nd here. Mm-hmm. So I guess that is a launch title. Probably going to put that in their thing. Hmm. But who knows? Okay. There's still time. They're kind of getting everything together, but yeah, that's PlayStation VR 2. Mm-hmm. Uh, five, $549 is a lot, uh, though compared to the Original PSVR, uh, that's not a huge increase. I think it was mm. the launch bundle that had the move controllers and the camera and the the headset and all that was like four ninety nine. Mm. So kind of surprisingly not too much more. Uh but if you did have those uh controllers and the camera, it was you get the, the base headset for three ninety nine. Mm. So it's definitely a good a good discount if you just happen to have that stuff around. Mm-hmm. Uh, this time around, you know, there's no luxury of that stuff. It's all new controller, new headset, no cameras required. So it's all built into the headset. So uh, the price is pretty good for what you're getting here. Mm-hmm. It's got some stuff to it that some of the other headsets don't have just yet. Uh, the only real knock on it is it's not standalone like the Quest, mm-hmm. the the or the Meta Quest now mm-hmm. instead of the Oculus Quest. Uh, that also comes with its own thing where that's, you know, you have to recharge that headset to be able to use it kind of thing. Whereas here, it's all going to be plugged in with one wire, uh, yeah. USB-C wire. So pretty uh, standard one. Uh, and I'm, I don't know how long the one it is that is that comes with it. I'm going to have to check the, mm. like the official site for the PSVR 2 can tell you more about that. I hope yeah. it's a pretty good length for one. Mm-hmm. But if not, you can go on like mono price and you can order like a 20 foot cable that'll probably not cost you more than like 10 bucks for that. Mm-hmm. So pretty decent. I'm looking forward to this. I'll probably try and pre-order it and I'm glad there's no way I can order from Amazon and get screwed over again on another mm-hmm. big hardware release. So yeah, there you go. PlayStation VR two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, for me, uh, I was an early, ad- I was a launch adopter of the uh, original PSVR and, I don't think I've played it more than ten times, so I'm 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 definitely gonna opt out of this one. Price be more than PS5, and even more important is that you know not everybody who wants a PS5 has, it, so it's a little bit weird way to market it. Uh, although I understand that you know you have to release one, but I don't know. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's just a rough buy at this point, and not to mention the fact that I feel like PlayStation just chose like the most bare boned way to market it. Like, um, the PS VR 2 should be a bigger deal than it, than it already is. This bundle is actually fantastic. Uh, mm-hmm. The games that we're seeing here all look fairly interesting, but they all just got held up to the blog. I think this release really warranted um, its own event, and it makes you wonder, like, what kind of focus they're going to have uh, moving forward with the new hardware, um, especially since VR hasn't exactly way that a lot of experts or even people or even like gamers hoped like mm. yeah right now it's a billion dollar industry but you know compared to um gaming as a whole which is you know over 100 billion it's 
I don't know. It's 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 a strange place. Um, at the same time, like I do like the fact that uh, PlayStation continues to make it accessible, at least for those who have a PlayStation device. And uh, yeah, um, I hope to uh, get get into it soon. Maybe maybe make some space. But for now, it just doesn't seem seem like a priority. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I do believe they'll probably have a state of play or something for it closer to launch mm. when they can sort of show off some more games for it. Uh, mm. This kind of seems like a lot of uh, maybe just the circumstances of when it's releasing mm-hmm. and being in the middle of a holiday period where they're you know, very much pushing God of War Ragnarok that's out this week. Uh, and we got some opportunities to show off VR stuff here in the near future, like the Game Awards. I bet you'll probably see something about PSVR 2 there. Uh, mm-hmm. Maybe they'll get some stuff announced. People are expecting Half-Life Alex to be one of the games to get announced for this thing. Mm-hmm. Hasn't happened yet, but that would be a big deal to get to happen. Mm-hmm. And Valve would probably be pretty interested in getting it on there. As a uh, they would like to sell more copies of that game. Mm-hmm. And PSVR 2 should be a pretty good way to play it, since they're not really in the business at this point of doing much else on consoles. Mm-hmm. Uh, they haven't made anything that would be console suitable in probably like probably about 10 years or so, whenever mm-hmm. Portal 2 launched. That was about the last one. So, yeah, this seems like a... A time frame that I think we'll get a lot of announcements and such over that time, but it's something I think they'll put some real muscle behind it here as we get closer to the holiday season. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think they're initially kind of gauging the appetite for it here with the pre-order stuff happening next week, so we'll have to see how that stuff goes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, like like with PS5, the demand is far outstripping. Uh, the availability of the system. So mm. I think that's probably something that they're going to be able to help with with the focus on the PlayStation Direct site uh, to help minimize the amount of scalpers jumping in to take stock uh, and let more people that you know, have PlayStation accounts have the desire for it and be able to go through a service that is pretty reliable from... Mm-hmm. Uh, all the times I've used it, ordering stuff yeah. from them uh, versus like Amazon. If we're mm. getting to a point where we're scalping PSVR 2, I give up. <laughs> yeah. I uh, I wouldn't be surprised. We'll have to see uh, mm. for that stuff. But yeah, hopefully that won't be too much of an issue. But uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's going to do it for dates for this week. Uh, mm-hmm. The rest of the news here, we got it just for other random stuff that has happened. Mm-hmm. And boy, there's a lot of random stuff that happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, first up, there's this interesting sort of title that from Sega's past that uh, was supposed to be releasing on the Saturn. Mm-hmm. Uh, an FMV, like erotic thriller kind of game. Yeah. That is called Sacred Pools. Yeah. They put about $3 million into making it. Mm-hmm. It was kind of adult oriented. Yeah. That. Uh, apparently it was so bad that they just canceled it. 
so yeah. they were releasing it. Because so. apparently the press uh, conference or whatever they did to announce the game went over so badly that they just straight up said, screw it. <laughs> yeah. It's the uh, it's that bit from I think it's was like ah screw it dump this dump this is trash get this yeah get this out of here. You also have kind of have to remember like where the gaming industry was then because this was like the mid nineties you know FMV games. This was when be- CD started yeah infiltrating consoles and such to the point that people were like yeah well CDs we can do video on this yeah um, but keep in mind also that you know FMV games had already been a thing at this point, and they had kind of gotten a certain reputation. Um, of being just cheap bullshit? Yeah, most of the ones that actually were worth anything were all like PC, and all the, you know, like, I mean, you know, anything else, it was you know, it was like Night Trap, you know? Yeah. Or Street Sharks, you know, on the Sega CD, which, again, that's kind of probably the other reason why this didn't go over so well, was because the FNB games that were on the Sega CD were just utter shit. <laughs> um, yeah, and this seems like a consequence of them having like three potential platforms for this kind of game going on. Yeah. And this being something that apparently went into development in 1996 as we were being like, yeah, we should stop doing this. It's not, yeah, it's cheap to make, but it's not selling well. Also, remember that 1996 was like PlayStation. Premiered, yeah, or was it the year before? It was. It was in that time. Ninety-five. Frame. Yeah, and basically, Sony announced that price and basically shamed the Sega and Nintendo. So yeah. Sega went to a weird spiral where yeah, there's a reason why you don't have too many memories of notable Saturn games. Yeah, there were some notable Saturn games, but they were few and far between. Yeah, it's because they got so shook by Sony and PlayStation that they yeah. tried to adapt as best they could. And I mean, yeah, one of their games was Tomb Raider, so they had a good idea, but it obviously didn't go anywhere on Saturn. Yeah, so when it came to PlayStation, that it became an iconic game. Yeah. Also, the the marketing of West was just terrible. You know, Sega Saturn was actually a success in Japan. It actually yeah. did really well over there. But they just could not find a way to successfully market it over here. And I believe this was the point where Sega of Japan and Sega of America are basically like going at each other, not, you know, Japan not necessarily understanding where the American market was. And America mm-hmm. basically like, stop forcing all this crap on us. Mm-hmm. You are destroying everything that the yeah. Genesis did. Yeah. Now, the flip side to this is that because of how trying to throw things at the wall and see what stick. It means that Sega was willing to make to take a lot more chances. And sometimes those chances they ended up taking would pr- perhaps in spite of them end up really paying off. You know. Yeah. Um, so we would get things like, you know, Sonic and Knuckles or the 3D or the um the you know the stuff, you know, weird games like uh Nights into Dreams. And the dreams, and you know, we get you know the Dreamcast, which you know, in spite of you know failing, it had a lot of great stuff going for it. Yeah, um, that was just the last blow of a, a million cuts they took. The yeah, like six or seven years before that. Yeah, and of course, there's all the you know 
groundbreaking they did they did for stuff in arcades. So there's also yeah. that. So you know, this is just sort of a sign of you know when Sega was at their most experimental, and one of the examples of the experiments that just completely collapsed in on itself. But uh, yeah. so I'm looking at some of the like uh, footage from this game, and you know what it looks like. It looks like a bad episode of, like, first season Babylon 5. Yeah. There was an era of TV sci-fi that you could very well have just put that on a CD and put it on a, a 3DO, and it probably fit in pretty well as mm-hmm. a thing there. Yeah. It's also a, bit, a funny thing to remember, because this was, like, like, there were so many consoles on the market when they first premiered this game. Yeah. Like, I mean, like, you know, like, for one thing, both the, the Genesis and the Super Nintendo were still going at this point. Like, they yeah. were on their last legs, but they were still going. Then you had the, the N64. You had the PlayStation, which at that point had been out for a year. You had yeah. 3DO, the Atari Jaguar, freaking, you know, the Neo Geo... Like, that's seven consoles right there. <laughs> yeah, though three of those were not really a force that anybody cared about. No, but you had that many consoles on the market at once. That's what makes it so significant. Yeah. Yeah, the on the market's a generous term for a few of those consoles there. Well, yeah, uh, that is. Uh, yeah, mostly it was Sega, Nintendo. And Sony. Uh, and, and Sony sort of getting their foot in the table there. So Yep. And this was a game that came out, and despite calling it an erotic thriller, it wasn't really sexual in any way. You just had some women that were wearing no. some scandalous kind of outfits, yeah. but nothing really no close to like as Night far Trap. as I can see. Yeah, nothing that would even get close to like what Night Trap was infamously known for, which wasn't really much in that game anyway. Yeah. That's what Hell, I that movie. I mean, remember, Night Trap wasn't really even meant to be a game to begin with, but that's a whole other story. Yeah, it's a game that punishes you for watching the cutscenes. Yeah, it does not like you enjoying its cheesy cutscenes. But yeah, yeah, this was in development for Saturn, PC, PlayStation, Mac. At points, uh, mm. it showed up at E3 in '96. Yeah, panned by the press uh, as the the game repeatedly missed its release date. Quietly disappeared from the schedule by mid ninety seven. Mm-hmm. Sega soft to give up on the game, and no amount of money or parties could fix it. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, that for twenty five years was about mm-hmm. all that anybody had ever seen of it. Mm-hmm. Until Gaming Alexandria managed to get a hold of an alpha build of Sacred Pools for all of its mm-hmm. platforms. Uh, that came from David Gray, a former associate producer on the game, who had been given the disc as a parting gift when he left Sega Soft in nineteen ninety nine. And now you can download those builds. Uh, it's off of the. Uh, Gaming Alexandria's site. Mm. Uh, But if you want to just watch it instead, they put a few minutes of it at least up on their YouTube channel. Yeah. Uh, So something you can check out is like a, let's see what kind of schlocky FMV thing was too bad even for the 90s. Yeah, yeah. Get ready because it looks like a parody. (laughs) Yeah, so there you go. There's a piece of history. Not many... Uh, people talk about mm-hmm. uh, at all because it wasn't really worth even talking about. Mm-hmm. But for people that are into this kind of stuff, there you go. Mm-hmm.
Uh, let's see, go to the opposite way of things that are actually going to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talked about a while ago that EA had signed a deal with Marvel for an Iron Man game. And EA revealed that there are actually two more games mm-hmm. that are part of this deal with Marvel mm-hmm. uh, that they are working on. Iron Man's the first one with Motive, uh, but they mm-hmm. don't really have too much more to say about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they just talk up the Iron Man game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, saying that uh, yeah, they got two more games. So it's a three-game deal, so... Who knows what else they might be working on? Mm. I'm going to take a wild guess that you know it's probably not going to be anything we've seen recently. Mm-hmm. No Spider-Man game, uh, Wolverine or Guardians of the Galaxy or mm-hmm. Avengers. I'm going to say those are all going to take a break for a while mm-hmm. uh, from anybody that isn't already working on. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't know what Black Panther is already being worked on by the uh, uh, the I forget the the project with the Captain America mm-hmm. thing. I forget the studio is called uh, uh, the one, game. Yeah. It's the one that's got like the sky dance. That's right. Yeah, that's right. There we go. Uh, so there's that. So probably not any sort of Captain Marvel or uh black mm-hmm. Panther game though. Black Panther is one rumor that they are working on. Mm-hmm. So who knows that might end up being one of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, that's going to be interesting. Mm-hmm. I can see them maybe. I don't know if they would be the ones to do like a Deadpool or anything like that. Yeah, I'm trying to think what other movie stuff or show stuff there is. Maybe a Hulk. Maybe somebody can do a Hulk game for the first time mm-hmm. in too long. I don't know. Mm-hmm. That could be fun. I don't know. We'll have to see uh, what this could be. Uh, but yeah, just further sign that Marvel is much smarter with their deals than. Mm-hmm. And where LucasArts was like, yeah. hey, what if we sign with one company? Don't let anybody else make any games. Yeah. And then be completely shocked that having one company do all of your games doesn't mean they're coming out constantly. Yeah. Uh, so Marvel seems to be like, yeah, we should just do deals with as many people as we can. Mm-hmm. And we get stuff coming out, you know, at least once a year. Mm. And then you get to enjoy the fruits of that labor instead of. Star Wars, where you're like, well, there's a bunch of stuff, but it's going to take a while because it's how games work. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, there you go. Uh, but next up here, Netflix has acquired a new studio, mm-hmm. Spry Fox. Yeah. A developer that uh, made most recently Cozy Grove, mm-hmm. uh, but a mobile. Uh, you might know them for games like Alpha Bears and uh, a bunch of other stuff. I'm trying to find. Let's see. Trying to find out more about what they did. Yeah, Alpha Bear. They did more. Triple Town, Bushido Bear, mm. Road Not Taken. That's right. That's that weird roguelike puzzle game that came out on the PS4 early on. Mm-hmm. Uh, cozy Grove is very much like, what if we do like a chill, cozy kind of Animal Crossing style game? Mm. But it's also a little spooky because you're talking to like spirits of these bears and such mm-hmm. doing stuff for them. Uh, so yeah, pretty good studio for Netflix to acquire because mm-hmm. uh, they specialize in uh, good mobile games. Mm. Uh, but yeah, their uh, this acquisition is not going to change their upcoming plans, which mm. includes a cozy grove too, mm-hmm. as well as a uh, unnamed 
nonviolent MMO that they've been working on for a little while. Mm-hmm. And those are probably two things they would like to have on their platform of Netflix games on mobile, mm-hmm. uh, which continues to grow pretty well uh, with mm-hmm. a lot of interesting stuff. So that's a, a nice slate of devs they've got there. Yeah. Netflix has definitely come to play as far as like getting these devs on board. Uh, Spry Fox was another really, really good one. Mm. So that they could also start putting together a, a marketing team. Because like, yeah, I was browsing Netflix a while ago and I didn't realize, oh, that's where the games are. They had their own tab. Had I, mm-hmm. I never, I didn't do that. Do do that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, um, Netflix is making a lot of moves that make a lot of sense. Aside from um, this next story we have here, in a certain company. yeah, yeah, Netflix has bunch of stuff and yeah, you can find them in the the app store as well uh just mm. look up whatever netflix is published and you can find them all there a lot of good stuff to check out if you're like what i have netflix i don't really check mobile games that much you can mm. check out their stuff and yeah i don't think any of them have microtransactions or any other sort of predatory stuff to them so i don't think you're going to be at too much of a a hassle with that sort of the way that's Apple's arcade thing is. But yeah, this other studio is kind of uh, sad. Uh, you remember a few weeks ago when Square Enix Montreal, now owned by Embracer Group, sort of announced that they are they were changing their name to Onoma because, you know, they can't just be continuing to call themselves by their former publisher's name. Uh, that was a, a nice little moment, like, oh, they're going to rebrand and sort of have a, a new starting place uh, for whatever they're going to work on in the future. Uh, well, unfortunately, it seems like as of this past week, Embracer Group has shut them down. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think some of the studio uh, workers are moving over to Idos Montreal mm-hmm. to work on whatever they are working on, but mm. uh, everybody else will probably be let go. And it seems like a lot of this is because Embracer Group doesn't really seem to care about mobile stuff. Mm-hmm. At the moment, they're more focused on like catalog remasters and uh, a lot of new stuff. Yeah, you know, higher tier, higher priority, higher budget games. And it's not like Onoma in their former form only worked on mobile games because mm-hmm. uh, they made the Go games, Hitman mm-hmm. Go, Lara Croft Go, Deus Ex Go. Two of those yeah. always came out on consoles as like ten, fifteen dollar games. Were really mm-hmm. good games. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, it's very much they could have been brought in as like making smaller forms of some of the properties mm-hmm. that the uh, uh, the other studios would be working on. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like how they had the the Lara Croft games that were sort of kind of dual stick shooter uh, games, mm-hmm. uh, that kind of stuff. But I guess that's not conducive to whatever the Embracer Group wants mm-hmm. out of this this group of Square Enix castaways. Uh, so they're going to essentially focus this group mm. around Crystal Dynamics and Eidos Montreal uh, that uh, gets to work on uh, seemingly a lot of back catalog stuff. Yeah. Like they've been doing surveys of like, well, if we were to do, I'm trying to remember what other, other properties, like what if we were to do a new Deus Ex, would that be, what would you want out of that mm-hmm. kind of thing? And uh, uh, maybe some of the, the other stuff out there. Mm. 
Uh, it's like gauging like remasters or remakes or stuff like that. So mm. who knows? But yeah, unfortunate to lose a studio of talented people. Uh, they made a lot of cool games that were very much the kind of stuff you wanted on mobile versus the overwhelming amount of cash grab microtransaction filled stuff that mm. seems all about taking advantage of people. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's a, uh, that's some sad news. Yeah. And kind of sad news, uh, going to another Square Enix thing. Mm-hmm. This time, actually, Square Enix, the, there was a trademark that came out a little while ago for something called Symbiogenesis. Mm-hmm. Uh, people were like, oh, this is Parasite Eve, obviously. They're going to bring it back, maybe remasters or remakes or something. Sort of like they've been doing with a lot of their other back catalog stuff. Because Parasite Eve, people are like Silent Hill people. They love disappointment. Mm-hmm. Uh, getting their hopes up for things and came time for Square Enix to talk about this and that definitely that was not what it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was their first NFT project. Mm-hmm. Uh, as I think the they tweeted on Thursday, NFT collectible art project, mm-hmm. Symbiogenesis, Untangle the Story, Spring mm-hmm. 2023. And had like a little quick teaser trailer thing that showed the logo spring 2023 mm. not really much else to it but there's other details uh to it uh, it was announced at the web 3 conclave event at india's game developers conference uh it'll be hosted on the ethereum blockchain allegedly tell a story about characters who art players can own as nfts mm. uh, the art can be used for social media profile pictures pfp as a character in and as a character in the story it takes place in an alternate world where players can untangle a mystery by completing missions that revolve around questions of the monopolization and distribution of resources. That's a weird convenient storyline. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, people obviously uh, took the L on that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, the the one tweet they have here from somebody is uh, somebody that made their tweet private mm-hmm. so, because it probably a bunch of people came to join with them or whatever. But yeah, that continues their kind of checkered past with NFTs recently where they had mm-hmm. uh, one that was a Cloud Strife NFT that came with a very expensive collectible statue you could get. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that's at least a way to own something physical and get an NFT. Mm-hmm. But imagine it was much more expensive because they're like, oh, we can charge more because there's NFTs. Mm. And that's <laughs> not what any rational person wants. Because I imagine that is probably uh, not something that is all that valuable anymore. Yeah. And I'm looking at the article for that. That, are, that action figure is not even out until November 2023. Yeah. So you still have to wait an absurd amount of time for that. So yeah, yeah if you're expecting some sort of parasite eat project here, well, eggs on your face for expecting things out of square Enix. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's another disappointing thing out of square Enix there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we'll get to the last thing here. Another disappointing thing from square Enix. Yeah. Final fantasy 16. That doesn't seem to be necessarily disappointing. No, the uh, game itself looks pretty fun, pretty good, and I'm actually kind of anticipating it. 
Yeah, and they are looking to announce a release date pretty soon. It seems yeah. like I'm going to guess the Game Awards. That's pretty yeah, soon, probably. Uh, but yeah, IGN had a interview session with uh, the producer Naoki Yoshida, uh, who Final Fantasy people like because he is one of the main figures that helped recover Final Fantasy XIV from its devastating 1.0 form. Yeah. And turned it around to probably Square Enix's biggest success mm-hmm. in the last, like, probably 10 to 15 years. Yeah. And so Final Fantasy 16 was put under him to shepherd this as a producer. Uh, I don't think he's the director, but he is one of the key figures helping to make sure it's mm. going to be good. Uh, so, yeah, among their questions, they asked uh, the producer, Naoki Yoshida, so, hey, why is everybody white in this game? Why is there no mm-hmm. variety of skin colors here? Yeah. And he proceeded to explain that the fantasy world of Valisthea was based on medieval Europe. And wanted, and they wanted to limit the world culture and geographically. Yeah. Uh, saying Valisthea was never going to re- realistically be as diverse as, say, a modern-day Earth or even Final Fantasy fourteen. Ultimately, we felt that while incorporating ethnic diversity into Valisthea was important, an over-incorporation into this single corner of a much larger world could end up causing a violation of those narrative boundaries we originally set for ourselves. Yeah, see, the problem with that with that explanation is that there have been black and brown people in Europe since at least the time of the Roman Empire. Yeah, because not- here's the thing. Europe is connected to Asia and the Middle East. Yeah. And for hundreds or thousands of years, people like to move around. Yeah. If you're a trader, if you're a trader, you literally like to go around and sell your wares to people that don't have readily accessible ways to get that stuff from your area. That's that's literally how the spice trade was started. Yeah. Um, then they sent out dumb people that Yeah, the spice trade is a hilarious thing because they sent people out on boats and they crash landed in other parts of the world mm-hmm. and called them Indians because they thought they were in India, but they were in yeah. they were in the Caribbean. Yeah. Uh, let's see, what else? Um, I was going to say, yeah, Europe, uh, Asia, the Middle East, same supercontinent. So Yeah, so this is not really based on, despite here they're saying the story we are telling is fantasy, yes, but is also rooted in reality, which is like, no, you're okay, rooted yeah, in is. Hollywood reality. Yeah. Hollywood, Europe, medieval Europe kind of thing, which is like, that's because white people wrote most of the literature that came out of there, yeah. described what was going mm-hmm. on. And white people didn't really care about, you know, anybody else but themselves. Yeah. And even then, they were still mentioning people who had dark skin in that literature. And there are, yeah. you know, you can go back to like old manuscripts and stuff and they, you know, they are few and far between, but they're there. In the words, in the illustrations. Yeah, and it's it's like, yeah, you put this in a fantasy world, which yeah. means you don't have to base it on any reality. Yeah. But the reality you're basing it on is not even realistic. Yeah. It's the same issue with the new Game of Thrones show. We're like, we wanted to represent, you know, the the treatment of women that would just get raped a lot. It's like, did you? Did you really? Like this, I hear yeah, like show look, about dragons. Why do you have to have realistic amount of rape in here? It's like yeah, no. rape and misogyny. Now, look, 
That excuse works for the original books because that's kind of what J.R. George R. R. Martin was trying to do with the original Song of Ice and Fire books. Yeah. Trying to sort of overturn the kind of jolly old England approach that a lot of old school fantasy had. Yeah. And that'll even go so far for like, you know, Game of Thrones, but House of the Dragon? Uh it really overdoing it. Yeah. You're making that like a core part of its identity, and it's like that shouldn't be a core part of any any property's identity. Yeah. Is abuse, really. Mm-hmm. Unless it's like going into horror territory and that's just that's part of that, but that's and that's also can be problematic as well. And also, just uh, even again, like once again, we're uh, you know fantasy based on historical Europe. Uh, there are like Game of Thrones, you know, Song of Ice and Fire is another example because uh, I mean, you watch Game of Thrones, they also have dark colored people there too. Yeah, and they were in the books too, because Martin made a point of saying, "Yeah, so the uh, world wasn't all." Alive. And also, Game of Thrones largely takes place on like a uh, island that is small in the way that like the UK is small. Yeah, so it's like the notion is like they're in their own isolated world, thinking they're ruling, you know, the world, but it's even kind of a tiny part. And even this, like they had people from other places coming to visit, like they, it's it's, it's just it's a it's a dumb excuse. But yeah, I'm kind of not surprised that it comes from someone who lives in a country that's like 98% homogenous. Homogenous. Yeah. And the weird thing is, like, the, actually, I don't think he actually meant anything by it, like, maliciously, but it yeah. does come off as tone deaf outside of Japan. So. Yeah, because they. There's a lot of Japanese games based on like medieval Europe, uh, kind of iconography, and yeah, it's more on the the Hollywood version of that. Yeah, which you know, white people controlled Hollywood for a long yeah. time. Yeah, there's a reason why most of those movies mm-hmm. feature white people, and then when they started putting non-white people in there, that was like, ooh, that's exotic. Mm-hmm. Like Gone with the Wind, like literally one of the first black people to win a major award. It was uh, what a, a slave in there. Yeah, yeah. That's what happened for a while, and then that was if you're lucky. Uh, yeah. They didn't just have people in blackface black or yellow face. face or whatever. Yeah. That was like, oh, that's, and that was praised then too. It's like, oh, that that white guy is authentically Oriental, and it's like, yeah, that doesn't age very well at all. Yeah. Yeah, like when he gets to this article or this question here, he is like, let me see if I can find it here. He starts it off, this is a difficult question, but not one that was unexpected. Seeing as diversity in entertainment media has become a much discussed topic of, as of late. The answer I have, however, may end up being disappointing to some, depending on individual expectations. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, I think he knew that this was kind of the the trap they were walking into with this game. Because this is like a game about several kingdoms that are warring against each other. Yeah. They all play different roles in the general society. Yeah, and that's also them. that's also kind of messed up too, because Western Europe is also not all there. <laughs> yeah. Like you start going further south, people start getting swarthier. You know? Yeah. 
Uh, but also, this is a game where a big part of it is the uh, the summons being like big characters. And guess where some of those come from? Yeah. Where do you think Sheba comes from? Bahamut. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. She, they and, come from Hinduism. But I believe, uh, I forget, Shiva, I think it looks like Elsa from Frozen. Uh, she's a blue skinned woman. Yeah. So she actually is actually kind of closer to Hindu version, actually, weirdly enough. Yeah, but, she's like, this is like, yeah, these, even with the summons, which are all kind of historically based on, mm-hmm. you know, gods from various religions and such. Yeah. It's like, you could have at least had more variety there and, you know, replicating sort of what their original visions were. Well, keep in mind, Japan is also, it's like, as far as religion goes, it's traditionally been polytheistic. And the thing about polytheistic societies is whenever they run into other polytheistic societies, they kind of see other gods sort of compare and contrast them. And they usually end up sort of finding their gods in other religions, and they kind of view it through that lens. Yeah. Uh, then again, we're also going by a game that, you know, had it started back on the old school Famicom. So. Yeah, and that was largely influenced by D way back in the eighties. Yeah. Yeah, where it's like that's why you named your characters. Yeah. And chose jobs and that kind of stuff because they were. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, we like D and D. Let's make a video game that's kind of like that. Yeah. There's not really much of a story because that's yeah. what lived experiences. Let me put it this way: lived experience is something of a dead, double-edged sword sometimes. And yeah, uh, and like with this, he even acknowledges like we were better with Final Fantasy fourteen because we're yeah. representing a big world here. Yeah. This this game is sort of set in a very limited amount of space in this islandish yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, but still, they could have better. I, could, I mean, there's still time for like DLC and stuff like that. So, yeah, I think they're like they're kind of set where they're going to be. Well, they've also been working on this game for a while too. <laughs> yeah, and, you know the fact. Keep in mind, we're talking about the series and after the just long going train wreck that was the development process for 15. Um, I think they just kind of want to make sure that this game ends up coming out with a at least somewhat solid vision, you know, yeah. other things be damned. So. But you kind of wish they learned from like the, yeah, the thing that I people do. really liked out of 14, uh, the diversity yeah. of people and places, even if they're going to set it in one area, mm-hmm. it's like, you could still have all the, the Lords being white and mm-hmm. the people living in those areas, having a little bit of variety. Yeah. Even if it's, you know, majority white, whatever. Yeah. There's still ways they could have gotten there so that wasn't looking like it's all uh mm-hmm. based on, you know, Hollywood medieval Europe kind yeah. of thing. Uh so I don't think it's gonna necessarily ruin anything about it. So I don't think anybody's gonna uh, this I don't think either or anything. But I think it's gonna be one of those things like people be like, Man, they could have done this and it'd be add, you know, this much more uh to its overall package. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that'll be just like the one thing, the one big mm-hmm. issue with this game. Yeah. Assuming mean, everything else is good. Like, I would say that it's not too late. Obviously, the game doesn't definitely color some of the some of the NPCs in there. But mm-hmm. yeah, uh, 
being an Asian American myself, uh, it's not a, exactly something I've noticed. And unfortunately, it's because it's I've just been trained to think that way. So yeah. um, I'm not saying I agree with what he said, but at the same time, I didn't notice until this was brought up. So, yeah. you know. Now, I, I do, I do just, I don't mean to interrupt Dan, but I do this up. Apparently, the whole, there's actually more to that quote. Um, and it, well, let me just read what it says. It says, our design concept from the early stages of development has always heavily featured medieval Europe, incorporating historical, cultural, political, anthropological standards that were prevalent at the time. When deciding on a setting that was best suited to the story we wanted to tell, the story of a land beset by the blight, we felt that rather than create something on a global scale, it was necessary to limit the scope it, scope of it to a single man last, one geographically and culturally isolated from the rest of the world in an age with plain television or telephones. Due to the underlying geographical, technological, and geopolitical constraints of this setting, Ballastea was never going to res- realistically be as diverse as, say, a modern-day Earth or even Final Fantasy XIV that has an entire planet and moon worthy of nations, races, and cultures at its disposal. The isolated nature of this realm, however, does end up playing a large part in the story and is one of the reasons Valistea's fate is tied to the rest of the world. Yeah. So it's possible that maybe there's another part to this story that they're keeping hidden and that this is kind of a reference to that, or it's also complete bullshit. So, <laughs> Yeah, it might be something they just reference, but not necessarily mm-hmm. show or do anything with. Yeah. Especially if yeah. they're sticking to this one landmass. Yeah. But again, even if that was true, like, it, you know, there have been people of color in Europe, so... I mean, uh, London has a prime minister. Who's, so, yeah, it totally, it totally mm-hmm. makes sense. But, yeah, again, um, not much of this game has been shown yet. Yeah, that that, that trailer is definitely a, a, a deep one. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, even um, um, when you take into account what Brandon said, like Final Fantasy, there could be, like, humanoids and stuff in there. So that could address it. But... Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, obviously you do want to see more diversity, especially mm-hmm. you know, when we're dealing with a Japanese company here. You know, they've seen their own forms of oppression as of late. And, um, mm-hmm. Yeah, but uh, I don't want to say it's like a it's like a non-story, but again, it's it's, some, it's something I haven't noticed. But I do wish this was a, this this was something where it's like you know I didn't have to think of it this way. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I don't think that's like. Is going to taint anything with this game, but it's going to mm-hmm. definitely uh, probably be an issue for people that you know enjoyed the diversity of Final Fantasy XIV and expect a lot of this uh, a lot out of this game. Mm-hmm. Considering you know Naoki Yoshida was a big part of this, mm-hmm. uh, so I definitely see that being like a thing. But I don't think it's going to be anything super negative. It'll just be one of those things that you know people are like, "Oh, it's disappointing." But if the game itself turns out to be very good, mm-hmm. people will be able to sort of overlook this or maybe ask them to uh, whenever they do. I'm assuming they might do expansions mm. since they do expansions for everything uh, that they might dip into other parts of the world or whatever. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah. yeah, we should start getting more of a concrete idea of like when this is coming out. and Yeah more about the game here in the next 
month or so, maybe when the Game Awards happens or something else happens. Who knows? Hmm. Uh, but yeah, that is going to be it for the show this week. All right. Uh, thank you to Brandon Danver for joining. Always. Uh, we'll be back next week with a new slate of news and information and all that kind of stuff as, yeah, we'll have God of War Ragnarok mm-hmm. to talk about then as uh, that'll be out here on Wednesday, mm-hmm. a rare Wednesday game mm-hmm. uh, for at least a big release. Usually it's Tuesday or Friday or Thursday. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, that is uh I mean, that might have Sonic Frontiers. I don't know. I don't know that anybody here is going to spend actual money on that game. Mm-hmm. That might be a bad idea. I don't know. I'm, I am hoping that. Uh, so Target is doing a buy to get one free sale, and I'm hoping mm-hmm. at least one of those two games ends up on it. Yeah, but uh, yeah, some big releases this week. So yeah, we'll be back next week with a new slate of news. If you enjoy the show, for let friends and family know, they mm-hmm. should check it out. And select strangers that will be nice to you. Mm-hmm. And then uh, tell them to go vote as well. So that mm-hmm. is also important. So thank you all for tuning in. We hope you have a good week ahead. We'll see you all next time. Have a good one.